Welcome to Polycast, a civilization podcast focused on game strategy. Canis Albinas. Makalua. The Man Team. Mega Bears Fan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Polycast, episode 391. For the first time without our audio cues live, so we have to do some editing. Blah! I'm Canis Albanus, and I've got Makalua with us. Now that I've adjusted my uh, uh, microphone, I'm louder and clearer, and also, uh, thanks, YouTube. Yeah, and the me and team. Bringing the times to fun times. And the ish. And occasionally ish. I don't know Even if though I've I... always been a good ally, without exception, in our games. In the absence of an audio cue to play here, let's move on to our first topic, which is Civilization New, uh, Civilization 6 New Frontiers Pass released on iOS, and we've got a review for it. This is from Touch Arcade, which I assume is a Apple thing that does lots of um, games and such, but they said that it's really cool. And it's nice that it's on sale, but it needs work. Specifically, they said it wants um, some response, responsive, response, responsiveness, responsiveness problems. Um, it has the game free. The game freezes, and the responsiveness is less as good as it was during the regular. So basically, the game is just not as fast as it was when there was less content. And also, there's no console or controller support, which people were a little mad about. Hmm. Yeah, depending on what device you're using, if you're trying to hit some of the icons, if you were having to do it by touch, I could see that being a real pain in the butt. Yeah. But plus, the slowdown is at least somewhat of an issue on any platform. Uh, it's certainly less so if you have a good machine, but it is very possible to give inputs at a rate faster than the game can handle still. Yeah, it kind of sounds fun. like. Yeah, it's also with everything added that it's maybe getting a little too big or too much memory usage for even medium to higher end devices if there's that many people complaining about the slowness. Can't always say everybody has a slow device. Well, it's all relative. But yes. While cross-platform syncing and account linking are both more reliable now, reliability... During downloading DLC, restoring purchases, visuals seeing no major improvement barring some UI tweak, still the same performance and no controller support are disappointing. That's a direct quote. If I can find the guy who wrote this article so I can give credit. Has anyone tried here um, using a controller for a game like Civ? I admit I've never given that a go. It's hard for me to picture the game being able to be played uh, quickly and efficiently on a controller. But I'm sure it's possible. I've used the Switch version, but it's been a while. I don't remember it being difficult to control specifically. I feel like it'd be slower. But I mean, I guess if you have like a Wiimote or something and you're pointing as if you're pointing a mouse, it's less so. 
Well, the Switch uh, things are, oh shoot, what are they called? Joy-Cons? They don't have directional pointing, I don't think. At least I've never seen them used that way. Yeah, okay. You use it as a regular controller that is just separated in the middle, so you have a two-piece controller in your hands. It's a little bit weird to get used to. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't had a Nintendo console in ages. I only have one because that's where Pokemon is. Yeah. Yeah, GameCube was my last Nintendo console. I never had a Wii or a Wii U, but yeah, I had I've the 3DS. Yeah, Master Race over the time. I have a collection of 3DSs and DSs, so... Well, at least they didn't get this kind of disappointment and then have to wait for it to drop a bit by bit over a year. They got it all at once. Yeah. And there seems to have been a pretty big a discount right at the beginning. Ah, just like when I think we had, was it 20 or something off when the new Frontiers Pass first popped up? Something I don't since they, I don't know. I don't remember. I vaguely remember it was discounted at first, and that people who came along later and decided to get it complained about, oh, for this much, I only get this much? It's like, well, you could have picked it up earlier, I guess. I don't know. I know not everybody's like, some people's finances are tight, and it's probably not possible, but you know. Yeah. It's currently, it was 50% off when it came out on iOS. Oh, wow. That's a pretty steep discount. Yeah, it was nineteen ninety nine for the whole thing. And when we first uh, got it, it was $40. So, not bad. Speaking of not bad. You mean trying to have actual co-op? What? No, it's a... We've been over here before. PC Games N. But they're having a... They have a, apparently have a series of what-if articles. So what-if strategy games like Civ 6 had proper co-op? Because they're, it's their thought process started because there's a RimWorld multiplayer mod that's making it a little easier for people to, you know, like, run a colony together. If it's... Uh, at the top, just picture it. A married couple squabbling over children's claims in Crusader Kings 3, or players controlling different states or regions within a single empire in Civ, or splitting players into agricultural, construction, and military duties in Age of Empires. That last one we've had before, because I've played co-op like that, I think, back in Age of Empires 2. We, well, to be fair, the Parallax games do allow you to play the same nation with the multiple players. So, it, <laughs> that is a thing you can do. I, like, I wonder if they haven't had a chance to play those versions of it, but but the idea here, what if you could have this in Civ? You know, like you could, I mean, outside the game, we have this kind of co-op niche where there's diplomacy games and different sets of people decide what you're going to try and put, like, where are you going to, are you going to put farms here next? Somebody else is dictating where the science research is going, but we don't have the way to do, it's not facilitated within the game. Yeah. RimWorld's also mentioned in this uh, article, and RimWorld has a mod that allows co-op multiplayer uh, along the lines of what they're saying. And uh, at least last I tried it, it seemed to work pretty well, all things considered. So so apparently somebody's been thinking down these uh, avenues. (laughs) Yeah, for Civ 6, I mean, you have co-op in the sense of you can play on teams against uh, AI opposition or whatever, so there's that. Uh, playing yeah. on one nation less so, 
But because of the nature of managing a an empire in Civ, it's not clear to me how it would be different if you're like screen sharing co-op versus like just. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I somewhat like the idea of it, but then I'm sitting there trying to figure this out. Is how's that actually going to work in game? Is some is one person totally in control of cities and the other person controls the armies? Because like when you have like in the Age of Empires, it's three people being able to do all facets of it. It's just that you're verbally over your voice chat or something splitting up. Okay. I'm going to go over here and tend all the farms. You guys, somebody else does scouting, you know, so you can split your attention among the things that need to be have attention. Yeah. The Civ is turn based is the difference. I mean, cause we're room worlds and age of empires are real time. And Civ is, As is paradox stuff. Technically. I mean, you could yeah. pause whenever, but the game advances simultaneously for every, uh, everything on the map. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah, real time in the sense that the AI is playing along with its stuff at the same time you're doing your stuff, whereas in yeah. Civ it's effectively paused for you while you're playing. I don't know that you'd get the same value out of that type of co-op, unless if you were trying to play that diplomacy game style, or if you're playing in a a simultaneous turns game. But even then, like you're, you would just be economizing uh, inputs a little bit. Because otherwise, anything you could do, if it's leveraged in the game, you could also do just having somebody look at your screen and tell you, or like talk it over, and then make a decision together, and then execute those actions. Like there aren't that many inputs, yeah, you know, typically, where you're strained in the same way you would be with real time in Civ. Maybe they should add support in the game for things like simultaneous victories and being able to actually win the game with your friends, as opposed to just zero sum, one beats all. Yeah, and well, I mean, beyond the teams that they have, they could re-implement like the permanent alliance system from Civ Four, uh, or like allow people to uh, decide to win together at the end or whatever, or have a way to just end the game and see the results. That you know, that kind of stuff uh, when everyone's done playing, that would certainly be welcome. Yeah, that's the kind of co-op stuff we're missing out of Civ. It's not. It's still simple enough that you don't need to have multiple people doing all the tasks that make up an empire the way, say, like CK3 is. Like, somebody needs to watch this part of it. Somebody can be doing our, a war on this side, maybe a war on the other side. And somebody's got to make sure that the court's not going falling to pieces. Well, with those, like, if you're fast enough, you can certainly manage it on your own. But it would be, it's one of, like, one of those things that would be nice to have, especially for people who want the co op experience. But there's like, active, you're actively doing things simultaneously in those uh, to a degree where I'm not, uh, you wouldn't be doing it as much in Civ 6. You could, like you could have one person managing cities and one person managing units. And that would be faster than playing a turn for one person would be. But I don't think the difference is as great. Yeah. I'm trying to think what, what, what advantage or something would you get out of it? Because part of the fun of Civ is you doing the empire building and the army thing. Whereas when you get to the more higher complexity levels, like you would have in CK3 or with the more, I want to call it more demanding on your time, the way age of empires is, you know, it's harder. to. <laughs> well, maybe I don't know about demanding on time, but it's uh, time sensitive in that yeah. you have to give orders quickly in order to succeed. Whereas in Civ six, that's just not true. Unless you're like running a timer and you fall asleep at the wheel or something. Cause man, the timer in Civ six is slow. <laughs> yeah. Unless, Unless you set it to fast. Then it's yeah, fast. unless you just set it to a fixed amount that has no scaling across the game. And eventually it gets onerous because the game can't keep up with your inputs anymore, so you get screwed. That's another alternative, I guess. 
Plus, like, it's hard to do that in a non-competitive setting because not everybody is going to be capable of playing at the same rate. Yeah, you go in further into the article and they are also talking about things like the internal tensions you can get between players, you know? Like, if they were giving the RimWorld example of I drafted some guy's farmer into my army and he came back with a crippled leg. <laughs> you know, he had heck to pay for that. You know, but what, you know, like, what if, though, if you were playing the CK3 version and you contributed more to the Empire, if that gave you more power over the inputs or something, it's like, that's not co-op anymore. That's competitive. You asked for co-op here. That's getting <laughs> into the ish territory, seriously. Ish. Like other games are in the 4X category. Like, he's given us an example of Old World because it has a houses system, so you could hit which each city is governed by one of the three houses. So, you know, you could have each person play as one of the houses, I guess. That would add, like, a, a sort of competitive, uh, cooperative mix. Because I imagine they'd want to fight each other, but also stay together so they could not die. Yeah. We don't want to tear the Empire into two factions and basically go back to playing sing our own separate civs type of a thing. But at the same time, but I wanted to take that thing. I mean, which in real life, that is actually how empires you had uh, plays for power. And they did point out here that the thing I'm thinking of from Age of Empires 2 is actually kind of a sneaky workaround that you could actually have multiple people in the same team. It's like it wasn't supported necessarily, but you could do it. Hmm. I, I thought it was just part of the game as far as I knew. Yeah, I could certainly picture in games like uh, Crusader Kings or especially RimWorld. If uh, one person is substantially more experienced than the other, that there could be <laughs> some interesting conversations uh, had over uh, how units are controlled or <laughs> what or choices what are made. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the human <laughs> leather industry. <laughs> well, actually, on high difficulties, um, most of us don't do that because they're so punitive on your, uh, what is it called, the mood. Like the mental breaks are probably yeah. one of the biggest sources of challenge in RimWorld. And if you're playing on the highest difficulty, they keep changing it. I think it's losing is fun now. But that's a permanent minus eight relative to the default difficulty. Well, except now they have the ideology pack and you can actually make a religion that makes it mandatory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, you probably don't take a penalty for doing it any longer either. Uh, yeah, but my just... point is that like historically in yeah. RimWorld, that's... It, there's such a cost on that that when you're playing in the highest difficulty settings, it's it's just straight up not worth doing it because of that cost. Unless you have like only people who are psychopaths or only people who are cannibals, like you just can't do it. Which is what some people do for a colony, but you know. Yeah, yeah, you can set that. It takes away a lot of the challenge, though. So I'm not a fan, but you can learn to work with different people. <laughs> But then uh, I'm one of those people who are like, well, dirt can't get dirty. So I guess we're just going to use dirt floor. <laughs> it's not well, as bad as moon minus whatever. I didn't need it a table. It's minus three. Yeah, it's just significant. But there's certainly worse things. I think like raw cannibalism is more than minus 20. It's, <laughs> if it's your something... pawn doesn't like it, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, but it's, al it's always that last little mi minus three that is the straw that breaks the camel's back, you know. Yeah, I guess. It's whatever the game feels like telling you, really. Yeah. Ultimately, you just roll uh, RNG whenever you're below a certain threshold on the mental break meter. There's lots of nice tricks with that, too, like how you schedule your pawn sleep and force them to do things to give them recreation and whatnot. All kinds of optimizations where uh, co-oping with a relative beginner could be interesting. <laughs> I'll put it that way. 
Because at that point, you wouldn't be uh, playing strictly to win anymore. You'd just be screwing around, I think. Well, but it also could be a good way if you have friends who haven't played as much and you want to help them get up to speed and you can, you would be letting them play out and you could be pointing out, well, you know, maybe if you did that instead, or I usually do this and you could, you know, you could show people, you could use it as a teaching method easier than just like hovering over somebody's game in a, you know, watching them stream it and then going, oh, this and oh, that, because you'd have more of a real time input, maybe. Yeah, that's true. It gives uh, both people something to do rather than just like standing over somebody's shoulder, either yeah, uh, through screen share or directly to tell them how to play. That's a little, <laughs> it's a little more uh, obnoxious than actually working on it together in at least some capacity. Yeah, you know, let me handle the scouting while you get accustomed to running the city type of a thing or something. <laughs> so yeah, some of these games have it in some capacity, but it would be hard to do in Civ, I think. More so than Civ already offers, um, it, it, with the exception of the things Canis mentioned, like bringing back alliances and uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, just getting even back to ally- permanent alliances and mut- mutual victory type things. Yeah, yeah, any kind of shared victory would be appreciated for that kind of setup. Because man, even Dominions <laughs> lets you do like disciples, which I guess hey. is like teams in Civ Six. Yeah, and it makes no sense that one person. <laughs> Is it whoever deals the like if you were trying to do domination with the team, it's whoever gets the final blow that wins, not the fact that. But that might be the only time that they've conquered a sieve, while the rest of you have been doing the heavy lifting, but they get credited with the win. It's like, excuse me. <laughs> Lots of fun. You should win as a team. Otherwise, there's still a capital to be conquered for both sides. <laughs> <laughs> I just found a new capital capital to conquer. <laughs> Duke Paratrop, go, go, go. Wee, boom. Oh, nope. I had a corporate exec in my capital. Oh, no. I hope you did, too. Crap. <laughs> I was saved by Sid Sushi. <laughs> oh, Sid Sushi OP in many ways. I'll just blocked paratroopers taking on the same turn they landed, whereas an empty city you could, and so far. Oh, was it Sid Sushi that would be minus like 17 food if you had a or minus 17 gold per city if you had a bunch of resources um i think the corporations were all scaled cost wise the same way on resource count it's just that sushi had the most food available but you could bring that down so much with courthouses and such that uh you had raised the counteract really. and then you had a bunch of free food because it did sushi so well yeah and if you put like um what is it? The the thing you could make with six banks. Wall Street? Yeah, if you, you, yeah. Put, you put your Wall Street in the corporate HQ, you're getting money in your corporate HQ based on the number of cities with Sitsushi. So yeah, you can offset the cost between reducing it from uh, spreading and then getting money from it, the HQ. Uh, you can either come out ahead or lose very little in practice, and then you get all that food. Which means population, which means taxes, which, hey, more gold again. Yeah, well... Let's see if it didn't really have taxes per se, but yeah, you could run like yeah. merchants or whatever. Commerce. Yeah, yeah, yeah or work. That's work more tiles. Yeah. As long as they're not working as citizens. One hammer instead of whatever else they could get. <laughs> There's one you wear of bad anyway, uh, You're not going for great people points and not running a rep. They were always a bit questionable. Just as raw yield. Hey, at least they were worth something, unlike in Civ 6. 
Well, because they gave you the great people points in Civ 4. In Civ 6, that's not tethered to them any longer. That's the big difference. Back when they gave you great people points, and that made them also still very valuable in Civ 5. Yeah. Probably my least favorite design choice in Civ Yeah, if they were going to do that, if they're going to take away the primary motivation for utilizing specialists at all, uh, they should have given them some other reason to exist. Well, they removed specialists almost entirely. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. I guess. I'd like to have seen them, though. But maybe they couldn't make it work properly. It, maybe it had balance. It, I don't know. Yeah, or, like, how do you make it not redundant with the district system? Yeah, because if you don't have a district, where is the, the person going to work? Yeah. I guess. I just don't like it. I mean, they could have made them more important to getting the value out of the district than they have right now maybe but then you're still you're all making a choice on whether to use them or not then you just want more specialists so you're not really like adding depth in doing that you're just like incentivizing growth a bit more which i guess is better than nothing but it's not it's not amazing yeah maybe they just figured it wasn't worth trying to uh, force that in with what they were doing with districts and city trade-offs Whatever, is K. I think uh, Civ 6's economy and empire management is not too bad overall, so I'm not going to complain that they, they like it doesn't need to have separatists be uh, as important as they were. I hope separatists aren't part of the game. Right, specialists. Sorry. <laughs> I was I was looking at the article and I saw the paradox and <laughs> you know how I am with Rebels and Paradox games. <laughs> His or how anybody experienced this with Rebels in, in Paradox Games. Separatists are just the fact of living. <laughs> They're just a gnat. Yep. And man, are there tons of them. My gosh. And they're easy to get rid of compared to real gnats. Yeah. Debatable. Depends how much you're pushing yourself. I mean, it's easier to hit them with, with the army stick than it is to put vinegar in a cup and wait for the gnats to eat. I suppose. Shows. What's the what, what's the paradise equivalent of putting vinegar in a cup? <laughs> Two gnats. How many cups? No. <laughs> Bad. Uh. <laughs> okay. Instead of co-op with your friends, who's your best AI friends? <laughs> yes, indeed. Moving on. Uh, started on Reddit by. Uh, Kimiku Pepetto, I guess. Yeah, he is a, a tier maker list because everything needs a tier maker list for uh, how friendly the AIs usually are. And I guess this will, to some extent, be determined by playstyle. But uh, I don't know. Most of these don't really surprise me, especially seeing uh, Gilga Bro up at the, up at the top oh, there. Oh yeah, that was the first thing I was like, yep. It's always terrible. He was always such a great friend when you start out, and then at some point, if you have to betray him, it's like, oh, I don't want to. You've been so great. <laughs> yeah. Man, he is Congo high. Oh, that. Congo yeah. always hates me. If you get a religion to them, then they're this kind of friendly. But if you don't, and they're on the other side of the map, they're like, well, where's my religion? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not usually on good terms with Congo. I wouldn't put him that high for me personally. But I, I guess if you play for religion a lot. And how could you put such a friendly guy like Montezuma so low? It's just mean. <laughs> well, I'm looking down there at Eternal Arch Nemesis and going, what did you do to make Curtin that mad? He's usually <laughs> chill, at least. 
Yeah, I don't know. It, it's got to be something. I'm, why is Canada so low, too? Usually they are just, they don't mind. No, I just, they're not necessarily the, like the friendly friendliest, but they're not like mean. Yeah. Scotland can be mean. And I haven't played against Ambiorix yet, actually. Yeah, I don't know. I find that when you start killing everyone, that the remaining leaders tend not to like you for some reason. So there's that. <laughs> well, I wonder why. It's weird. It's that negative for holding the other person's capital. Yeah, that tends to not make people happy. Such a penalty for like so many things. I was merely protecting myself from the threat of other people winning the game. I think we can pretty much assume that the person who made this list is not a big warmonger because Alexander and Gorgo are both at the bottom. Ah, uh, yes. <clears throat> You're not killing things. Kill more things. How about you? It's usually my response with those two. <laughs> and Cyrus is down there as unfriendly, but he's usually at least up for some trade deals for me. I would agree That's... that Chandragrupta belongs at the bottom because he's a dork. I'm just Why remembering the you... killed Dan. That was funny. Why do you have City next to mine? Well, because I'm settling here. War! You exist in the same universe as me? How dare? I like you as neighbors, just not close neighbors. I think he, like, took Dan's capital and then flipped Dan out of existence of culture or something. It was weird. I think that did happen, at least. This was back before they uh, nerfed Mounted, so I just killed him with knights later. That was probably back in... That was probably back in Rise and Fall days. Yeah. Yeah, it's a couple years now. It's very, very gratifying to see uh, Boulevard is not a horrible, angry person, because he's so powerful he'd be a pain otherwise. (laughs) But that's what makes leaders memorable. It would be more fun. Why is Shaka not at the very bottom? He doesn't seem, at least not to me, he doesn't seem quite like he did in some of the earlier civs. Yeah, he's not outright hostile most of the times. He tends to fall neutral or a little bit angry, but he's not like mega angry like he used to be, I guess. Yeah, you saw him in Civ 4 and he didn't have somebody he obviously hated more. Like, you were just getting ready to fight. It was such a pain. He's learned caution in his older years, maybe? I don't know. It's just less of an ass. It's so rare that he would win a game in so far, but he could ruin yours easily. I found him worse than Montezuma, personally. And Ragnar? Yeah, Ragnar was not nice either, but I don't think he was quite as bad. With the, like, I'm gonna throw to attack you uh, plays. He was up there too, though. Don't get me wrong, he just wasn't quite as much as Shaka. Let's see. Ah, Victoria, right there next to... Um, Lautaro? Not Lautaro. Uh, the Canadian guy. Laurier. Yeah. She just wants a trade agreement. That's Elizabeth. (laughs) I know, but I usually find England to be friendlier than that, at least. Yeah, they never struck me as particularly aggressive. But then, like, a lot of the... Like, my list would have most people in the middle. I can see why somebody would be why Victoria would be problematic because she doesn't like people who aren't on your continent. Oh yeah. So that would be definitely something that would make her a little bit more cranky. And I think everybody agrees that Brazil is absolute. Pedro. He's a chill guy. I like him. You got a great person. Rar. Yeah, and when he complains that my great generals are too great, then I can show him that he is correct. <laughs> 
you get your first one, it's like, whoa, 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 my friend. Great people are for Brazil, not for you. <laughs> Leave the wonder building to us. Thank you. Shut up, Pedro. I'll show you. I'll show you, though. Well, it's not the six axe wonder anymore, but I don't know, the six sword wonder or something. That'll get the job done, typically. Slap on a great general, bring a battering ram. Yep. These cities? Oh, no, no. Those are perfectly traditional English names. Don't don't worry about that. <laughs> yep, the English city of Recife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Our glorious second capital of Rio de Janeiro. I mean, you might as well rename them to something offensive. Oh, that's for multiplayer. Yeah, I guess. The AI doesn't care. It's very important in multiplayer, though. Oh, custom-named religions are always fun in Survive. <laughs> yeah. Vatican City wants dirty socks. Are you sure it was socks? That's a, that's a bit less childish than I've heard over the years. <laughs> that's a bit less childish than you'd hear sometimes on Saturday nights. Jeez. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's why I picked that one and not some of the other ones. Some of the other ones would be a little inappropriate for us to say on the show. It's true. <laughs> We'd love to tell we'd love to tell you listeners, but um you're just gonna have to take our word for it. I can use your imagination, I'm sure. You can figure it out. Some religion name. <sighs> Good times. Why do people have such a problem with Phoenicia? Well, I don't mm. I don't think this is people in general, it's just this guy, right? It's just yeah. this guy, because there's even somebody down here in the comments that's like, it's funny that this list is completely the opposite of how my civil leaders treat me. Except for Giglamesh. <laughs> yeah. Eternal bro. It's just so easy to get him to like you and then keep him liking you relative to like pretty much anybody else. Yeah, and the OP was pointing out with Poundmaker, he's not an instant friend the way Gigglemesh is, but is once you get him started on that path, you can usually get him to stick to it and stay friends unless you do something ridiculously over the top wrong. Although somebody got denounced on site and then the game is America, they were like, that's fair, yeah, yeah, I can see why the Korean would denounce me is America on site. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make sense. Why would they do that? I don't think the Americans account encountered the Cree, did they? I think the Cree were up in Canada. Yes, but the, the implication is they heard about the Americans and what they do, and they're like, "Yeah, no." Oh yeah, Cleopatra is a pain. Where is she will, on this list? Yeah, you just kill her armies, and then she's fine. She will front stab and backstab you. Why is she fairly friendly? Unless this guy must build a lot of units and not go to war. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not a bad idea to defend yourself, generally. Yeah. And depending on difficulty, it'll change how easy it is to have a bigger army than the AI as a standing army. Because the AI on high difficulty just spams too much bullcrap for that to be practical. I mean, you can kill it all and easily win the wars, but to just hold a sustained standing army is much less practical. Uh, on the level the AI likes to do it. On mid-levels, the AI doesn't seem to build units that much. Uh, on high, like It doesn't rebuild them on high, but they, they tend to have a lot initially. It, but it's just such not a big deal, because the AI is so bad. You, you'd be like, they have four times your power, and you just kill their units and start taking their cities anyway. It's a bit slower, because you have to kill units, but only so much. Try not to fall multiple arrows behind. <laughs> yeah, usually a good plan. But like, if you've got a great general and you're fighting at parity, like the AI is bad enough that you start killing units and getting promotions, and that just snowballs. It's uh, it's pretty easy to win parity wars when you have farmed units. 
And they upgrade, so they, they keep being useful. Or you just get a tech lead. But that's like... I like how, how both Genghis and Kublai Khan are friendly. <laughs> you must not have killed that guy's trading envoys. Yeah, it's not usually a good idea to do that. <laughs> not in general, and especially not with the Mongols. They're here to trade. They're totally not here to spy on you. Oh, more making a reference to uh, what the Iranians did to uh, Genghis Khan and how he answered that uh, was uh, well, one of yes, the more brutal you... incidents in history. <clears throat> yes. Don't think anybody tried afterwards, after what happened to the Iranians. They're like, yeah, no, we like living. I mean, it was a dick move in the first place. It, yeah. <laughs> the, the retaliation was, like, way overboard. Because, like, most of the people who died had no involvement with that. But it was a dick move, to be fair. Well, I think it's generally bad form to attack mer- um, envoys full stop. Envoys yeah. and um, like diplomatic people in general, you just don't attack even in war. Yeah, yeah, that is broadly bad form, and it always has been. Yeah, because what's your end game if you do that? Uh, you're basically just signaling going for total annihilation, I guess. Which uh, <laughs> I-, I guess that's what they got. Good job. <laughs> Annihilation. It's what's for dinner. So I think we're done with this particular list. I think we got we agree mostly. Yeah, I mean I could put people a couple spots up or down. I don't really know. <laughs> it just depends how the game goes. But I, I don't have any major objections. I just don't care enough. I think to get school. Okay, we will go on to this next topic, which is from Blake00, and he has made a video about Civilization 1 in HD, where he pulls the Civ, uh, Civ Win stuff and the Civ DOS stuff and puts them together so that the audio isn't all screwed up in Civ Win and all the art looks good. So it's not the crappy version of Windows Civ. It's the good version of DOS Civ. But it's on Windows in HD. Hmm. And uh, he talks about... He's made a video and he's doing a video series where he's going to go over all of the Civ games and Civ adjacent games over time. So he's got on his list Colonization, Master of Magic, Civ 2, Civ 2, Test of Time, Alpha Centauri, Call to Power... All the power to Civ three, Civ four, etc. I like his his uh, notations for how soon we we can expect to see the future episodes, <laughs> like coming very soon or coming next year, coming next decade, coming next lifetime. Nice. Uh, Civ Beyond Earth coming next century. Civ six next lifetime. <laughs> I mean, it would be a little odd to tell people how to play Civ six right now. It works just fine, but if you more versions of Windows from now, it might not work just fine. Oh, that's true. Civ <clears throat> 6 will be coming a little sooner than he thinks, probably. Let's just put it that way. Oh, yeah, if Windows is anything to go by with its track record. Yeah. A big part of the video is uh, a Dune scenario on Civ 1. And he was pretty happy with that. But this is definitely something I believe you should look up and, if not actually play the game, uh, maybe take a look at the video and see where we came from as a community. Does Master of Magic count as Civ adjacent? I guess it's uh, it's turn based. It's a turn based game. Like I don't know why Master of Magic is here, but 
Because um, everything else is like a lot more similar. Like why is <laughs> Master of Magic? Close. Why is Master of Magic here, but uh, Master of Orion not? Because mm. in the old days, the tr- the trilogy was, or the the Holy Trinity was Siv, Mom, and Mu, according to the <sighs> Venerable Majin. I yeah, yeah, Majin but- was wrong. Sorry, Majin. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Master of Magic has a lot in Simulusu that you go out and you explore things and you have an end goal in mind and it's on one singular planet, so to speak. I mean, even though it has the mirror side and the normal side, Master of Orion is out in space and you're you're managing multiple planets. I mean, they're kind of like cities on a map and something feels different about Master of Orion, whereas Master of Magic does feel like it's more Civ adjacent. I, I think I remember the thing about Master of Magic was you had two maps at the same time. Yeah, you had portals or these towers you flipped through back and forth between it. But it was like the fantasy version of Civ. Yes. Yeah, that's because it, it's fantasy Civ, and Master of Orion does an equivalent to space Civ. If it was space Civ, you'd be managing Mars or Alpha Centauri or something. Well, Master of Orion had uh, fixed points, too, as to where you could settle. There, like with Civ, you're you're picking like there's good and bad spots, but you're still deciding what what good and bad spots are. Whereas in Master of Orion, like there are certainly planets that are better than other planets, but you have to settle on a planet. You can't settle on not a planet. You can't build a space station out in the middle of nowhere. As with even Master of Magic, you could build outposts in the middle of a desert if you wanted to. Yeah, it's a bad idea, but you can. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm not saying that Magic is wrong and that those are bad games. Those are good games. I'm just saying he's leaving very important games out, like the Warlord series or uh, Heroes of Magic, which are also at least near this in time. Well, they're the Warlord not. Was straight, straight up with Civ 2, I believe. Those are concurrent or close enough. They're not turn-based 4X games, though. Oh. Um, they are. They're both tur- they're, they're all turn-based, and they they are certainly 4X. Even Hom is 4X, technically. But the Warlords, uh, uh, well, especially 2 and 3, but technically even 4 are very objectively 4X turn-based strategy games in every sense of the word. <laughs> At least if you play with Fog of War. Maybe we need a new term then, because they seem very different than like a Civ game. Well, I, I think you're thinking of like the real-time Warlords that came out later. The 90s Warlords games were some of the finest turn-based strategies ever made, in my opinion. Maybe it isn't Warlords I'm thinking of. Maybe it's something else. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a I have a YouTube series on Warlords too, um, and I did briefly stream most of Warlords Three campaign a couple years ago now. Yeah, that's were, what I was thinking of because I watched that. Yeah, that, that is certainly four X. You're exploring, you're expanding, you're exploiting, you're exterminating. How is that not? <laughs> I think we need a new genre name then. Something that's a little bit more specific for Civ type Civ type games. Well, Civ emphasizes the economy and empire builder side of it more so than like Aham or or Warlords. Because both of those also have like you're making decisions on what to build that really matter as the game progresses. But like that part of it is much less emphasized compared to the combat, which is like only barely emphasized in Civ games at all relative to how those games treat them. Yeah. So we should have we would have turn based Forex, not otherwise specified. And then economy focus and military focus. I guess, but even that, like, yeah. where do you draw the line? <laughs> because it also depends on the player play style, because you can play Civilization as a go smash game. Yeah, certainly. 
I mean, that's how I tend to play Civ Six because it's smart. <laughs> but uh, there's still like you still have to do more Empire management in Civ Six than you have yes. to do. Uh, well, is that true? I don't know. You do have to. You have to keep it. You have to get a good foundation started and keep it going. You can hit a snowball part where you can man- micromanage it less, but you still have to do more of that than you do more of Smash. Well, no, I'm just thinking like at the uh, at the higher levels of here's the main magic play, which I never got to, but I have a sense for it because yeah, I've like I've watched people who know what they're doing play in competitive multiplayer, and you know mm. I got good enough that I could reliably win on the highest difficulties on the campaigns in Hom three eventually. So it's not like I suck. I'm just not good like people who actually play against each other. And like you know, I'm thinking about that, and I don't want to easily say that economy management isn't like freaking crucial. Actually, uh, you can easily lose the game on your choices, and most people don't make the correct choices when it comes to the economy side of it. So I, mm, <laughs> I, I would hesitate to say that that's not uh, emphasized pretty significantly, even though most of it is on the combat, uh, or at least most of the interesting things that you think about and see happen. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know that they're as far apart as as being advertised. Because you can also really choke, yeah, even with like stat combat and so forth, uh, like Firefox did when he's fighting me in that one ish game. Like, <laughs> I mean, we were pretty similar tech, and he lost like ten to one odds because he got collateral initiative. Oh man, collateral damage on stacks! Yikes! I forgot about that. Yeah, but like he also wasn't uh, he wasn't defending one of his coastal cities very well. And I noticed that. So, like, I specifically took Guerrilla 2 promotion so I could move through hills quickly. So, like, I captured a city that was guarded by a warrior, like, unloaded the like a, a bunch of crossbows with Guerrilla 2. It was, like, moving two speed through his interior cities with Guerrilla 2 crossbows. And he just didn't have, like, he wasn't in slavery, which is a huge blunder if he's going to fight a war. And he just couldn't produce units before I started taking way too many cities for it to matter. So, like, even though Civ 4 is not really a combat-emphasized game, there are still plenty of uh, potential failure points uh, or things you might not expect, especially when you're playing against other humans, where you can still get absolutely screwed, even if your economy management is pretty good uh, on the war side of things. Yeah, because that's an unusual promotion for on a crossbow. You yeah, and you wouldn't think about melee. it in yeah. normal games, because in normal games, the AI inefficiently just throws bunches of units everywhere. And so, like, that kind of stuff doesn't work. And because of its bonuses, it's not really a threat to the AI on high difficulties. So it's just not something you'd think about normally. But in PvP, where your every resource is a constraint more so, you have to think about that kind of stuff a bit more. And anyway, I just got caught out. <laughs> Collateral initiative is huge in PvP as well. Like, you, if you're at parity, it's very dangerous to have somebody be able to move more squares than you and pick <laughs> when they just dump a whole bunch of collateral. That sucks. So anyway, old Civ games, they should be good. Keep an eye on this series. We think there'll be lots of good stuff in it later. And there's already good stuff now. Yeah, and some of these is like, yeah, I would love to know how to run this best on Windows 10. I'd like to, you know, even if it's just for over a weekend, I would love to go back and replay some of these. So I'm glad to see this series is going to be coming. Yeah. I'd like to go back and play half of them for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a young punk. You whippersnapper. Whippersnapper. That was your age. <laughs> oh, I had to use DSL. Oh. <laughs> I can actually say when I was your age to like my nephews. I try not to. Because <laughs> <laughs> once you get started doing that, you start doing it all the time, and then you really sound like a cranky old person. 
I've been a cranky old person since I was 12. <laughs> Were you going around yeah. telling six-year-olds when I was your age? Actually, yes, I was. Your age. <laughs> yeah. I told my brother that many times. <laughs> when I was your age, we didn't have the internet. We had dial-up. Oh, that was not Ooh, fun. That was technically the internet. That I was know, the internet. It was like a very, it, but... very, very early internet, but it was. Hey, but... I played StarCraft on dial-up, and their so deck code was pretty good, because you could actually play games on dial-up. Yeah, like that, was, that was one of the reasons it took off so well, is because you could actually play it, and like, other things were like so slow. Yeah. Well, also, Battle.net made it a lot more accessible than it was previously. Mm-hmm. It was such a pain. Uh, getting multiplayer to work in a lot of cases, especially since like there are back relative to now where a lot of people who play games are adults because we played them as kids. That was much less true back then. You had adults who like picked up games for the first time, but it, the number was so, so much smaller as a percentage. <laughs> so like in addition to them being more complex, there's less people who knew what they were doing uh, to get these games together. Completely different world. There was a, a group gaming. of people I was talking with once, very recently, and they were asking, why is play-by-email a thing? Like, <laughs> you guys are really young. You don't understand how the world used to be. But also, there are countries who do not have the internet infrastructure that a lot of the, air quote, first world countries, developed countries do. And play-by-email is still good because your internet is not reliable access. So, yeah. some people, Some people in the first world don't have reliable internet. Yeah, so, yeah, it really the depends US where, where you live. Because yeah. uh, one of my friends was like out in the sticks <laughs> in the U.S. and it was satellite internet or nothing, oh, right? God, so, yes. Actually, I knew multiple people who who had satellite internet or nothing for a while. My it parents okay are on satellite. Just browsing and stuff like that, but if you want to play games, oh no, the ping is the lag is horrible. Yeah, yeah, the latency is just way too much. <laughs> satellite internet is pretty good. Satellite internet is really bad because it has limited bandwidth. Like, you get 50 gigs a month. Yeah, there's that too. And there's, there's all kinds of problems with it. But it's also the only thing my parents had for a very long time. And they're finally laying fiber optic cord out there now, so... Man, I want fiber. Cable's okay. Like, I, I shouldn't complain as long as I have like a functional cable. But And fiber's so much better. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really like the, the microwave uh, tech for people who can't get things wired to them easily. Because that's so much better than satellite. You get um, you get pings that are playable in online, and it's and not perfectly reliable, but it's pretty good. It's a lot more reliable than any alternative you have if you can't get cable or fiber. Yeah, yeah we can't wire the whole planet. <laughs> yeah, like, you can get like somewhere between 60 or 80 milliseconds ping uh, with microwave. That's not bad at all. It's actually really good. Yeah, maybe not for FPS, but no, that's but... playable on FPS. Because like some people have better ping than that, but you know they're not going to be <laughs> they're not going to have more than a hundred millisecond ping on you. And most people have more ping than that. Most people have like somewhere between thirty and you know eighty, even on cable. So your competitive disadvantage if you're like in the sixty to hundred range is pretty minimal. You know? Especially because some games compensate for it or whatever other crap goes on with the server side stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's not a big deal. If you're if you're running like sixty to eighty, you're fine. Unless we're talking like the true top end play. But like people do those events live or on LAN or whatever. They don't like if you're talking about professional level play in something like League of Legends or something, then sure. 
Yeah. Over the kind of play that most people are going to do, it's fine. Oh, yeah. It, it would be almost imperceptible to anybody who's, like, casual or even, like, pretty serious, but still not pro. Try hard, but not pro. <laughs> yeah. Alright, I think we're ready for the outro. Alright, but I don't hear the music. Well, so, get out! Oh no! <laughs> we're, uh, no magic. We're channeling imagined statements about the 1990s games. <laughs> well, anyway, this has been episode 391. Still correcting Magin that there were other games beyond his alleged trinity, but those are also quite good games. Anyway, this is the main team, and I was joined by Candice Alanis. One of these days, I'll remember not to fall in the shower. <laughs> oh, dear. And Makalua. There were also RPG games in the 90s he's totally ignoring, so yeah. We don't talk about those, though. Hey. <laughs> I think there was this thing called Ultima for a while. Yeah, from <laughs> the 80s, actually. Or Baldur's Gate, etc. Baldur's Gate, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or Final it's Fantasy. The scope of the show, <laughs> get out! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't play Baldur's Gate until, like, a couple of years ago. So that was uh, an experience, for sure. You must gather your party before venturing forth. Yes, yes, indeed. Kicked him in the head till he was dead. <laughs> Great. Civilization 3, 4, 5, Beyond Earth, Sound Clips, Copyright Take-Two Interactive. Copyright the Polycast at thepolycast.net.